So, question. Um, what the fuck was that? This is going to be one of those shows that I'm going to be absolutely livid at, but also very... Yeah, no, I think it's just going to be livid at, because other than probably the main event and one other match, this was by far one of the hardest events to get through. And it's all inspired by one hashtag, and that is hashtag Fire Russo. Because everybody knew during this time Vince Russo was behind creative. My God. Welcome to Brace for Impact, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Nate the F and Great, the Impact Player of Wrestle Attic Radio, and this is your review for Destination X 2007, a show that was produced, unfortunately, by Total Nonstop Action. Pay-per-view buy rate of somehow 30,000 people wanted to see this event, and also 900 people in Orlando, Florida wanted to see it as well. Took place on March 11th, 2007. I just want to get this over with. I really do. There are a couple matches here that really just pissed me off. And they are so bad. So let's get right into it. The opening package was encompassed by fear. Where they had these kind of taglines of, you know, fear of loss, fear of destruction, fear of despair, fear of all these kind of things. Also, they should have put down fear of being creative because there was very little creativity when it came to the show, as well as common sense. Fear of common sense. That's one thing you put for the show because, my God, this was rough. So how did we open up the show? Did we open it with a good sh- good match? Actually, we did. It's a ghetto brawl between LAX and Team 3D. And guess what, you guys? It's a non-title match. Because reasons. So, build-up, of course, everybody has known, is that ever since Final Resolution, Team 3D has made it their goal to take on LAX and win the NWA World Tag Team Championships, the one tag team titles that seem to slip through their grasp. And... The thing is that this got to be more personal than about championships. They have deals where they show Team 3D attacking Conan. They have LAX attacking members of Brother Ray's family. And then they attack Johnny Rods, Devon's trainer, for reasons. And in all of... This is the third time that they've put a pay-per-view match on. And... For, a third, for the second time, uh, the three times that they've done this, the tag titles are not on the line. This just makes no sense unless you put the tag team titles on the line, in my opinion. We had Hector Guerrero, who is on the Spanish announce team, who was just announced as one of the Spanish commentators for TNA, do a stare-off with LAX, which is a nice foreshadowing because I already know where this is going to be going eventually. Uh, he was also a part of a segment where Abyss Black Hole slammed SoCal Val, which in all honesty is probably one of the best Black Hole slams I've ever seen on anyone. So major props go out to SoCal Val for taking that like a champ. Holy cow. It literally looked like she landed on her head. It was so well done. And she's not even a trainer. She's not, she doesn't do that much in the way of wrestling matches. And she took that so well. So that was amazing. But the setup for this matchup is that they had these kind of steel uh, walls on the aprons that had graffiti on them. So it was supposed to look all ghetto-like. But uh, yeah, so we have the mat- the guys start with a brawl. Team 3D are in control until we get a... Freaking Tornado DDT by Homicide to Devon and the clothesline to Ray. Literally, Homicide broke the momentum of Team 3D. What the hell? We get the hot shot top rope maneuver to Facebuster to Ray. 
one of my favorite lines that CM Pulse, shout out to him, has said, and this applies to this match as well because they replayed this moment so many times. Hernandez, a.k.a. Supermax, as he will eventually be called, Supermax can do a tope! He could fly over the top rope. Well done. Let's see here. Uh, Ray does some hot homicide. Uh, oh, this was a good, nice moment. They have Ray grabbing homicide, and a fan is just going to town on homicide. I thought that was really cool. We get Ray with a spagingo to homicide on the stairs. Oh gosh, that was out. That was on the outside too. That was a good spot. Uh, just a pure chaos in the crowd. Devon does a power slam. We get the Cracker Jack to Devon by uh, Hernandez. Supermax does... Oh, my God. Hernandez did this really good spot where he was uh, seated in a corner, gets Ray away from him, and then from that seated position, he does a backflip onto the top rope. That was awesome. Superplex by Ray. Hurricanrana by Homicide. The Wazam. We get a nice beer break for... Uh, Team 3D. Then they set up a table. And then members of the Latino Nation came out. And they beat down beat down the Team 3D. Johnny Rods, he comes out to kind of even the odds. He beats down most of the Latino Nation. And Johnny does a freaking super kick. He does a few of them, actually. Which I thought, wow, that's impressive. Homicide was able to hit a uh, frame to the head of Rods to stop his momentum, per se. But then we have Devon's brothers, they come in. <laughs> and I love kind of how the... This is not an intentional team name, but I love that this could be something. The brothers from Brooklyn is what Don West kept saying throughout this entire deal. And I thought to myself, that would actually be a really cool tag team name. The brothers from Brooklyn. I mean, honestly, you could probably name that the Street Profits at this point. So the odds are even. Hernandez gets hit with a move. I don't know if it was the uh, 3D.2, the back suplex into the neck breaker, but they just cut away from that, and then you just see a near fall. It's like, well, what did they hit? Don't you have a replay? I could show? No? Okay, then. We get the Doomsday Device. Team 3D hits a 3D to Hernandez. Looks like they got the win, but then Machete... One of the original members of LAX. He makes an appearance. The fact that they even brought him in, I thought that was awesome. I was like, okay, that's kind of nice. Diva, Ray does a... No, he doesn't do a tope. He goes to the top, turnbuckle, and this dives on everyone. Alex Shelley, he comes out. He does a scrap traction and a low blow by Homicide to Devon. Allows uh, Alex Shelley to hit a frog splash onto Devon through the table. And LAX pick up the win. For the third pay-per-view in a row, Team 3D, I have yet to get a clean victory over freaking LAX. The only time they got a win over LAX was a belting pot match on Impact. And that's it. Other than that, I'm, I'm not even counting the, the DQ win on Final Resolutions. So, my rating for this is that this should have been for the tag titles again, but it wasn't, which is stupid. I give this matchup a B. I know I've rated like every single match is, there's B, but I will say that this match by far is the best of their series that they've had. So at least there, it had that going for it. This is probably the most climactic, very well told, told out story. Yes, it had a lot of crazy stuff going on, but at the same time, that was part of the story anyway. So you got to have the chaos. And this is a ghetto brawl where anything goes and anybody could literally get involved. So it made sense to have this be a thing. Again, just hate the fact the tag team titles were not on the line. Stupid. 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 I'm probably going to go on a rant and stuff like that for a while. Uh, Rhino is backstage, and one of the first times he admits that he's afraid and that he's going to stay focused. In this He usually ends his matchup with a gore, 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 but he is too focused on, you know, 
getting ready for his Elevation X match with AJ Styles. Uh, he had a really good line where he said, gravity plays no favorites because the objective of this is to go up this scaffolding X and knock your opponent off. So, indeed, gravity plays no favorites in this match. But that is not the next matchup. The next matchup is a double bull rope match in which we have James Storm and Jackie Moore taking on Petey Williams and Gail Kim. I really am interested with this tag team pairing. Uh, it makes sense because Petey Williams has been helping out Gail. Jackie Moore has kind of gotten into this whole deal with uh, James Storm and Gail Kim. So the match makes sense. In fact, it was a double a bull rope match. I was kind of worried I was thinking to myself, oh boy, this this could end badly. But kind of the buildup for this is something that I really enjoyed because they did an arm wrestling match on Impact in which Jackie and Gail fought and Jackie lost to Gail. I honestly thought that Gail should have gotten the victory just, uh, not Gail, um, Jackie should have gotten the victory just because of the fact that it could have really built up some, but at the same time, it did give us like a really funny moment in that deal where after Gail has beaten Jackie, James Storm, he comes in, he's like, you know what? I want to arm wrestle. He takes a swig of his beer, spits in the face of Gail. I'm like, okay, that's a good way to get heel heat. That that's that's good. Um but like I said, I was worried how this match was gonna go. They have Storm and Petey Tied up at the wrist with the bull rope. And then they do the same thing with Gail and Jackie. And this is tornado rules. So all four people can be at the ring at the same time. Awesome. A match that makes sense. So Gail and Petey do a double by slam and choke to Ga uh, Jackie and... Jeez Louise. Getting the names mixed up. To Jackie and James Storm. Uh, Storm and Jackie get thrown into each other. Storm gets placed into an office chair by Gale, and then Petey Williams pulls him in with the rope and hits him with the clothesline. I thought that was a nice spot. Jackie gets tied up in the post by this bull rope and then gets chopped to bits by Gale Kim. And already I'm like, okay, this is kind of awesome. Storm gets pulled into the post. Then he uses the referee as a distraction to get the advantage. What he does is kind of interesting because he kind of does like a ring around the rosy on uh, the ref. And the rope kind of gets him a little, gets the ref a little bit tied up. But then Petey kind of unwraps the rope and that allows Storm to get that advantage. I thought that was cool. We get chance of Brokeback Cowboy. Because it's James Storm and I think Brokeback Mountain was either becoming a cult favorite during this time. Or it was really getting popular during this time. Either way, <laughs> it makes me laugh. Uh, Storm types up the feet of Petey Williams, ties it into the ring ropes, and then beats him down. Hits the eye of the Storm. Storm goes for a destroyer of his own, to which I'm like, if he does this, I will call James Storm one of the greatest of all time. But Petey Williams gets out of it, and then he's just whipping the piss out of... <laughs> out of James Storm with that rope. And honestly, I believe that it would hurt just because those fucking ropes are not... They're not, like, you know, soft. They are literally something that can just wreck your skin. Uh, we get the Hurricane Rana, Side Rush and Leg Sweep by Petey. Always love that. <laughs> this, the crotch... Oh, my gosh. Petey Williams does a spot where he has the rope between James Storm's crotch he gets crotched and then flips over James Storm like a freaking pancake. I love that. Now, some people might be wondering, well, you're focusing on the guys a lot. Is there a reason? Yes, because Gail Kim and Jackie Moore are literally doing the bit nothing. They're doing absolutely nothing during this point. They're kind of fighting at ringside. They're still doing the whole rope thing with the post. It just, nothing's really happening until about here. We get a Rampage by Petey Williams to James Storm. Honestly, I thought Petey Williams was going for like a suplex. But when he did that, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Gail Kim does a couple clotheslines and then a back suplex to Jackie. Then she does like a shoulder block, which looks like a like a pounce <laughs> in a way. Uh, Petey Williams sets up 
James Storm for the Canadian Destroyer, but Jackie hits the low blow on Petey. James Storm with the last call super kick for the victory. Storm and Jackie win the double bull rope match. I give this one a B. By far, this is probably my favorite match of the entire show. It's vastly entertaining. There's some really good spots. They really utilize the ropes to their advantages. Probably like they probably maybe used up their load a little too much early on. But at the same time, I feel like you still could have done more with the bull ropes. With it. I just thought they did a really good job with this. This was a really good match. I enjoyed it. I, I sing its praises. Like I said, probably the best match of the show. I think other than the main events. Yeah, I'll, I'll go that far. I will say other than the main event, this was probably the best match on the show. So we have Scott Steiner backstage. He's flirting a bit with Letitia, the interviewer. I had to get this name down because I'm like, who is this woman? And why cannot remember her name? Because I all I think about with backstage deal is JB. <laughs> so I didn't want to call her female JB because that's just disrespect. So Letitia is her name. Uh, Scott Steiner is not sweating Kurt. He calls his offense impeccable, his defense indefensible, and his love insatiable. <laughs> which I'm like, oh my God. Classic Scott Steiner. I love it. Christian Cage, he goes backstage. He's basically sit, saying, you know, Tomko is so disrespectful because he's over in Japan. He's not helping me out. He's not being a team player. But you, you could be a team player. You could help me out. And Scott Steiner's really like, no, I'm not doing that. And just walks away. <laughs> and that's that's it. That, that's literally it. Ah, uh, Shit. Here's where the wheels start falling off. We have a crossface chicken wing match, which is Austin Star versus Senshi. Senshi is one of those guys who I thought, okay, kind of a goofy character just because he's like a serious warrior guy. But at the same time, it's a layer to the X Division I think it could need. Where you have a lot of comedy deals, you have somebody who's just playing completely serious. You have Jerry Lynn, you have Senshi, um... And a couple other, gosh, I'm trying to think of like some other series, guys, because I'm going to tell you this right now, uh, because, uh, you know, I'm just going to get through this matchup and then I'll get through that. So basically with this match, Austin Starr and Stenshi have been feuding, Bob Backlund's getting involved, and Jim Cornette says, oh, well, they're going to fight each other, and the winner of this matchup at Destination X will win by using the crossface chicken wing. And... They mentioned the Great Muda's in attendance for this matchup. And he really doesn't come into play until like the very end of the show. Sort of, kind of. Um, as far as the match goes, Senshi's able to do a couple of his deals. Uh, does a running elbow, does a suplex. Austin Star does this nice like top rope back rake to Senshi, which I thought was very nice. Then he does like a gut buster. STO pendulum elbow drop. This allows Bob Backlund to come out. Star goes up. And then we see Senshi freaking hit a rolling kick to Austin Star while he's on the top rope. I thought that was a great one. We get another Spagingo. The disaster kick. Uh, let's see here. Star does a knee back break, a knee breaker and a back suplex. Corner drop kick. Senshi does the shotgun drop kick. Uh, Start as a suicide dive. A corkscrew splash into the ring. Uh, Brainbuster attempt into the crossface chicken wing attempts. Finally, Backland and Star kind of get into each other. They kind of just yell at each other, and then Austin Star gets rolled up and then locked into the crossface chicken wing and taps out. Match is over. This was a C matchup. While the beginning parts were okay, the majority of this is them just trying to put the crossface chicken wing on each other. That's really what you can sum this matchup as. It's it's stupid. After the match, Star uses the crossface chicken wing on Bob Backlund, and that's really it. So, with the X Division, Paparazzi Productions doing like this Paparazzi Idol deal, and around this time. We are seeing 
uh, Nash trying to get the X Division stars personality. And the best way for Nash to do that with Jay Lethal is to embrace the Macho Man impression that he does. And every single time, they made this a running joke where uh, Sanjay Dunn's like, do the thing, man, do the thing. And Jay Lethal will come out, oh, yeah, Macho Man is in the house, oh, yeah. Uh, there even comes a point during the paparazzi idol where this is so stupid where Kevin Nash is trying to relate to Jay Lethal making it seem like hey man the man's kind of holding us down and he makes this comment like he's more more black than Jay Lethal to which I'm like what? what the hell's your problem Nash this this is 2007 written all over my god what the absolute fuck I do not apologize for my swearing on this show because this the, the month build is weird and we also have this event it's so absolutely asinine <laughs> so AJ Styles is backstage he says he's got this match in the bag and that the only way you can lose is you go, you're only going you can only go down is what he says it's just a kind of basic Promo. Nothing really too crazy. Uh, oh, damn it. So this next match is Voodoo Kin Mafia, BG James and Kip James taking on Christy Hemi's tag team, the Heartbreakers. For some that might not recognize them, they were the heartthrobs in WWE. For those of you that don't know the heartthrobs in WWE, I commend you for having some sense of sanity because I was a part of the heartthrob, I wouldn't say fab, but the time that they were in WWE, it was very forgettable. I feel like they did not know what to do with them. It was a unique gimmick, but it just didn't click with anyone. And same thing went for this show. My God. This just... Wow, this was just... This was... So, the story build-up is Christy wants women to have rights in wrestling, and she's starting to slowly become heel, and Kip James is supposed to be the heel here, and then BG's kind of like the voice of reason, but then during this deal, he's kind of just going along with it, but also kind of feeling resentful for that. It's a really, it's a really messed up deal. It's just, man, this was really. So, um, oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> um, when the Heartbreakers came out, they're doing their dance, they're doing their thing. Then it cuts to a woman who literally looks disgusted by these two. I thought to myself, that is going to be their entire run in WWE summed up in one picture. And this match as well. Um, yeah, BG and Kip, they do a little bit of stuff here. Uh, BG does a dance. He does a big boot. Romeo does a Hurricane Rana, which I thought was cool. Uh, there's a failed drop toe hold, and then they just do it again. Uh, Christy trips up Kip. We see... Hip hit a hip toss neck breaker, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, probably the highlight of this match is, I believe it was Romeo. He does a dive and it's supposed to hit BG, but BG gets out of the way and hits Antonio instead. That was probably the highlight of the match. Uh, Kip's on the outside, referee's distracted. Christy does, tries to go for a low blow on Kip, but then she acts like her arm is hurt. And Kip James reveals that he's got a cup. To which I'm like, you know, if this was done in a later deal, this would have been funnier. But, uh, yeah, no. I Unless that cup was made of, like, the same steel as the plate Bret Hart used against Goldberg, that should not have hurt that bad. Uh, oh, God. Then Kip... Puts the cup in Christie's face, which I 
what the fuck? Uh, gives her a little spank, and then Kip throws her to Hoyt. Lance Hoyt, who's associated with these guys. Hoyt takes Christy to the back. Uh, Heartbreakers hit a double lethal combination move on Kip, and it's for a two count. To which I said, why doesn't this match end? Why is it still going? Uh, they do the stupid, like, selling tag move where Kip's trying to reach the tag of BG, and BG gets taken down, and then there's a hot tag deal, and then BG hits a Spagingo. Uh, freaking Kip James is an RKO, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, Kip James hits a B, uh, pump handle slam. Thankfully, the match is over. Christy yells at them. That's about it. This was a failure of a match. What what the hell was this? This was just a waste of time. It's 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 like about nine plus minutes of my life I'll never get back. Let's move the hell along. Christian Cage is backstage trying to talk to Abyss, basically trying to say, hey, Abyss, you know, we're cool because I didn't tell your secret. Sting did, but I could use your help with Samoa Joe. You know, we could we could be like friends. We could be like family. And he gives Abyss an autograph of him as kind of like a bribe. And I honestly thought that he gave him like another picture of James Mitchell because the James Mitchell one that Abyss had was ruined, I think. So he basically is just like, well, I know that you're, uh, you don't, that, you know, your picture with James Mitchell got wrecked, but here, how about, <laughs> how about I give you this? It's a picture of me and it's autographed to you, to my good friend Abyss. And he's just like talking like what he wrote on there, to which I have doubts that he did that. So Abyss comes up and he does this kind of deal where it looks like he does a fist bump to Christian. And it's so weird, but it's also kind of funny at the same time, just because it's Christian. And to think that a year ago, these two guys were feuding with each other and now they're doing fist bumps. I mean, in the words of Ababia, they, they might as well just been, you know, Fist bumping, chest bumping, hugging and kissing, whatever friends do. <laughs> Just, oh my God. All right. So next matchup is a two out of three falls match for the X Division Championship. Jerry Lynn challenging Chris Saban. This is an interesting matchup. So Jerry Lynn wins a five-way X Division ladder match to become the number one contender. And the only thing that they really do is they kind of have this weird deal where Jerry Lynn doesn't seem to really get that much in the way of momentum. Uh, Chris Saban shows no respect to him. And then Jim Cornette says, we're going to do this old school by having a two out of three falls match between the two of you. We get some nice back and forth between these guys. Uh, Jerry Lynn does an arm drag, hip toss, drop kick, hurricane run, a tilt a world backbreaker. He's on a roll here. Uh, so it's weird because there comes a point where I look backstage and I see people just kind of redirecting their attention towards, I guess, the stage slash background area. I don't know if there was like a crowd fight or something that was going on. I tried looking at some research on this and I could find nothing. There was nothing really about it. Just, I guess, one of those things that people tried to glaze over. Just like, oh, well, we got this matchup going on. That's more focused. Uh yeah, there's like chance of TNA in the background. I don't know if there's like a fight or something. I don't know. Uh, Jerry Lynn hits a tornado DET to get the first fall. Saban gets lined over the guardrail, and then Lynn does a springboard crossbody into the outside. We get a oh gosh, this was great. So Lynn counters a a Frankensteiner by Chris Saban and rolls him into a sunset flip. I thought that was great. Uh, he goes, Saban hits the lift and cutter move, a corner powerbomb by Lynn, one, two, kick out, but then a corner powerbomb by Saban, who uses the ropes for leverage, one, two, three, gets the second fall. We get some back and forth, a German by Jerry Lynn, a halluva kick by Saban, hits the cradle shock. you think that'd be the third fall, one, two. No, it's not. It's not over at all. Lynn hits a Airway crash. Then there's this guy with a sting mask who comes up. A lot of people already know who it is. Uh, Saban hits a low blow. The second cradle shock for the final fall. He retains. 
Chris Saban gets hit with the angel's wings. It's revealed to be Christopher Daniels, but like this kind of unique kind of face paints on him. It looks like uh, two triangles, one on the top and one on the bottom of the eye and then a circle and then like a half circle deal. It's really weird. Uh, Daniels grabs the belt, lays out Jerry Lynn, and then hits him with a rolling cutter. This match itself, in its entirety, it's a C matchup. This was kind of a meh kind of matchup. There's some good spots. And honestly, I think Jerry Lynn is the main highlight of this entire deal. Saban is okay. Other than that, yeah, nothing really to say about this matchup. Jim Cornette says that he's got a big announcement he's going to make on Thursday for lockdown, to which I'm like, oh, goody, I think I know what it is, and I will probably punch myself in the face. And then Christy Hemi, she comes in stating that she's not done with VKM. That's the end of that segment. All right, it's time for innovation. It's time for the first ever Elevation X match, which features Rhino taking on AJ Styles. Basically, this is a scaffolding match, only in the shape of an X. Honestly, the idea of it scares me, and the concept is unique. It's just one of those things I'm not really for, and it'll definitely show when I get to my grading. So... Oh, gosh. This is the debut of AJ Styles' uh, new version of his theme song. Uh, kind of a remix version of the I Am theme song. Honestly, this is by far my favorite version of his theme song. If he could somehow get this in WWE, I would be so happy. But I also understand that when you go later on in your career, you evolve, you do something different. I just, for once, I would just love to hear the, you know, this rendition of I Am. It just is great. These guys fight each other on the floor. And then AJ Styles gets to the top of the X first. Rhino's kind of taking his time. As he's climbing up, there's some spots where he's almost falling. To which I'm like, oh boy, this match is going to be over before it even begins. Uh, and then, oh my god. So, I have here AJ Shrek and Rhino Donkey. The reason why I have that as a note is because if you remember the scene where uh, Shrek and Donkey are crossing the bridge and Shrek, to get Donkey across, like, shakes the bridge, that is kind of what they do in this spot here to where <laughs> to where AJ kind of shakes it a little and Rhino's like, don't do that! And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, do what? Oh, this? Yes. Yes, do it. Okay, he does that quite a few times. Uh, they get a nice little punch off. Rhino almost falls off in this again. AJ Styles does some, uh, he does like a low drop kick to the head, some punches. AJ Styles almost falls off. But then AJ does a, this is a very unique spot. I think this is probably the highlight of the entire matchup. Where AJ Styles, he climbs into the steel girders in the X to kind of hide from Rhino. So Rhino is just kind of looking around and he's kind of relying on the audience to let him know where he is. And he kind of hides from spot to spot. He does this twice to which I'm like, this is actually really smart. That's probably the best thing in the entire matchup. Uh, Rhino is able to grab AJ, but AJ breaks out of it. Uh, see here, AJ kicks and tries to shove off Rhino. We get some strike trades. Uh, Styles goes for a Styles Clash, but Ryo just takes him down. And then Styles gets some, like, salt or some powder to try and blind Rhino, but it gets hit into his face. Rhino does the best gore that he can on that Elevation X. AJ Styles is falling. He's got the his hands on the side. He's got it on the uh, steel. But Rhino does some stops, stomps onto the hands. AJ falls to in the ring, and the match is over. AJ's selling this like he is dead, which, honestly, AJ is one of the highlights of this. Rhino does his best for this. I gave this matchup a D. This matchup is so stupidly unnecessary. And if they would have done a last man... Not a last man's day, if they would have done something else for the, uh, for the finish uh, for this series of matches... 
I would have been okay with it. Like, they could have made it, like, a no DQ. They could have made it, like, a Full Metal Mayhem. They could have done something more. They could have done something different than the Elevation X. This was just a fail of an experiment. This was stupid. Kurt Angle's backstage, and he promises to break Steiner that he came to TNA to fight the best and to be the best. Stott Steiner came for money, and his intentions are real. They are damn real. So, Scott Steiner versus Kurt Angle is next. Now, some of you might be asking, well, why is this matchup happening? Well, if you recall, Scott Steiner was the kind of, like, coach to Christian Cage during his match with Kurt Angle. And the reason for Scott doing this is because he was only in for about a few months. And then they were talking about renegotiating his contract. TNA was kind of lowballing him a bit because they wanted to sign a big star, that being Kurt Angle. So that's kind of the reason for it. Because Scott Steiner thinks that he's a bigger star than Kurt Angle. He kind of admits that it is about money. And Kurt Angle's fighting uh, Scott Steiner to prove that he is not only the best, but that he came here not for the money, but to prove that he is the best in the world. No trademark. So, Scott Steiner comes out with two ladies. We'll call them his freaks. We get some shoulders by Steiner, a headbutt, to Kurt, headbutt by Kurt, which busts open Scott Steiner. And I think there's even a point where you see a little small cut on Kurt Angle, so it kind of hurts him too. Uh, Angle with the belly to belly. Steiner does some clotheslines to Kurt on the outside. Hits a Steiner elbow. Kurt Angle's fighting back. Scott Steiner does the same. Back suplex by Kurt. An uppercut. Three Germans. Scott Steiner counters the angle slam with a belly to belly. Angle slam. And then an ankle lock by Kurt Angle. Steiner recliner. Countered into a, a pin of sorts by Kurt Angle. Spagingo to the outside by Scott Steiner. An angle. Oh my God. So Scott Steiner hits an angle slam on Kurt Angle. And it does look like Kurt Angle landed on his head. It was a brutal spot. Uh, Scott Steiner locks in the Steiner recliner. Ankle lock by Angle. Scott Steiner goes for a top rope by the belly. Kurt Angle counters a attempt by rolling him up into a sunset flip for the victory. So I knew the finish of this matchup, and I was kind of curious. I honestly thought it was going to be like a, a sunset flip from the ropes instead of from the top. Uh, this gives this one gets a D. This was a very disappointing matchup. I thought that these two probably would have had a better match between the two of them because these guys are suplex machines. I would have figured, you know, maybe the first few moments we would see like suplex, suplex, suplex. I was expecting them to have like 20 plus suplexes by the end of the match. If they would have done that, that would have been a better match. But they didn't do that. And that was disappointing. This was kind of those things where I don't think it was a dream match. This was one where I was like, it would be kind of cool to see these two kind of mix it up, see what happens. And what I got was disappointment to the point where I actually messaged one of my friends. I said, you know what? We could do a better match than Scott Steiner and Kurt Angle. That's how confident I am about hard ability. All right. So next up, we have Samoa Joe basically ready for his title match. He's calling that he's going to achieve his destiny. He will ensure nothing will stop him from becoming the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. All right, next up we... Fuck! Why? I don't want to talk about this match. This is one of the worst things I could have ever seen. If they would have made this last man standing, this would have been great. But they didn't. Instead, they did a casket match, but you send him into space. Sting wins. Failure of a match. Moving on. Oh, I'm sorry. You want more? I, I, fine. Fine. I'll talk as, mu as briefly as I can about this. So Abyss and Sting... They're fighting because Abyss is mad that Sting hurt James Mitchell and told his secret. And Sting is basically believing that this matchup will help enlighten Abyss. And it's like his judgment day of sorts. So we see a fight between the two of them. 
Sting hits a scorpion death drop. We get the candelabras that they have. Oh, yeah, that's right. They have, like, these, like, candelabras and tombstones around the ring. Um, they have Abyss hit one in the head of Sting. I don't care. Sting is bloody. And then Abyss tells the casket to get lowered, to which they have this dramatic lighting effect to it. Why? I don't know. Uh, chance of fire Russo happened here. And damn right he should have been fired. He should have never came back. We get a death lock by Sting. Boring chance by the fan. We get a cracked tombstone onto Abyss. Oh, that's right. He Yeah, he cracked a tombstone on Abyss. Uh, Abyss sends Abyss into another tombstone, and then Sting wins by throwing him in the casket and closing the door. That is all this match is. Fuck everything. This is so stupid. This is another match where I will never get my time back. Moving on. I already told you my grading. It's a failure. It sucks. It absolutely sucks. This is uh, this is the saltiest you're ever going to see me because I had such high hopes. Like in 2006, even though there were some dumb spots, I still could at least take some good takeaways from that. This is hard to take takeaways from this entire event because everything was either overbooked. They had too many moments where like the heels just attacked right off the off the go instead of just having, you know, like a deal where they kind of circle around and then wrestle. There were too many moments where they were just like, oh, we're going to have somebody attack early on. That happened way too much. There was a copy and paste button that was put on there. What the absolute hell was that? Some of these finishes are super wonky and super stupid. Just, you know, you know the fact that like the main thing that I could take away is that the double bull rope match is so far one of the best matches of the entire show. That says a lot about the show. Okay. Okay. I'm calm. I'm cool. I'm, I'm calm. I'm cool. I'm collected. Fuck you, Vince Russo. Fuck you. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. So we get a backstage deal. Christian Cage and the Great Muda. Who, ironically enough, is going through his retirement tour right now. And... This is probably the only time I've seen... No, this isn't This isn't going to be the only time we're going to see Great Muda and TNA. I forgot that he actually has a Bound for Glory match years later. <laughs> uh, that's going to be an interesting show to talk about. Basically, <laughs> Great Muda is backstage. He sits down. He has a translator. Christian Cage basically is telling him, hey, it would be kind of cool if you helped me out. I mean, it'd probably be the most relevant thing that you've ever done. And then there just comes a point where Great Muda gets up does the spit, uh, the the mist to the locker, which actually kind of looked cool. And then Christian Cage is like, you know, you, you can use this locker. It's fine. It's fine. He just walks away. <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, why did they capitalize on that? Why didn't we have a great Muda versus Christian Cage match? That'd been cool. Maybe there was like a deal that they couldn't work out with great Muda. Who knows? <sighs> it's time for the main event, ladies and gentlemen. After this pretty dumpster fire of a event, which I've talked about in great detail it's Samoa Joe challenging Christian Cage for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship we start off with Christian Cage getting kicked by Joe like crazy Christian Cage he goes for a dive but Joe does his classic nope walks away <laughs> we get the chop to the back kick to the chest and then a knee drop by Joe kicks him out of the ring. At this point, I knew that there was like maybe 20 minutes to the show, but I also was like, okay, this matchup is getting better and better as time goes on. I'm kind of okay with this. Uh, Cage uses the post to his advantage. He throws Jones to it, and then he uh, kind of hits it, hits him with it a couple times. Christian Cage, he goes to charge Joe on the, on the outside while Joe's in the corner with the post, and then Joe does his classic uh, corner Uranaki on the outside, to which I'm like, holy fuck, that was great. They go to the fans, and they're fighting, which was another thing that they, they utilized so much during this entirety of the match. It just, whew, this is bad. So Christian Cage, he finally gets the advantage, uh, but then Joe cuts off the advantage. He 
and Christian Cage kind of did like a headlock, kind of like do a a double down kind of deal. But then Joe's able to pick him up from the center of the ring and pick him up into a muscle buster, which I thought was awesome. And then Christian Cage counters it into a reverse DDT, which was another great spot. Cage just slapping Joe right in the face, to which I'm like, oh, no. Because I see Samoa Joe's facial reactions go from, like, a little bit stunned to absolute pissed off. And I'm like, oh, you are dead, Christian. You are dead. <laughs> uh, Christian Cage, he tries to do a dive from the second turnbuckle, but Samoa Joe just kicks him in the air with a kick. With a kick. That was an awesome spot. Joe starting now to come back. Cage goes for a power bomb, but then he loses his balance in the corner. And Samoa Joe capitalizes it by hitting a uh, face wash, and then he hits a diving kick, a snap power slam. We see the power bomb by Samoa Joe. One, two, kick out, but Samoa Joe holds on, locks in the Boston Crab. Then he transitions it into an SDF, and then transitions that into a cross face and then he slowly tries to transition that into the clutch but cage uses the referee to distract samoa joe but also get to the ropes to prevent that christian cage hits the unprettier and samoa joe kicks out and this is one of those things where i'm actually gonna be pissed off because fuck anybody who thinks that the unprettier is a bad move and that it should be kicked out that easily Kurt Angle did it. Samoa Joe did it. Why is this move not being protected more? It literally feels like you are doing nothing with this move. Samoa Joe counters a chin lock. There's a dive through the ropes to Cage. Cage tries to leave, but there's some exhibition stars. Senshi, Sanjay, Jay Lethal. They throw him back into the ring. We get an island driver by Samoa Joe. He goes for a cover, but the referee is nowhere in sight. I assume he's probably sending the X-Division guys to the back. And at this point, the commentary is just all in on shitting on the referee. They're like, what the hell? Referee, what are you doing? What are you doing? One, two, what? That should have been three. That should have been three. It's one of those things like, man, he just, you really pissed them off. <laughs> uh Joe hits a boot onto the referee by mistake. Christian Cage uses a chair. Gets only a two count. Samoa Joe hits the muscle buster, but only gets a two count. Another move that, oh my God, they did not protect in this. They could have had Christian Cage roll to like a rope and then just have the you know, referee see that, oh, his foot was on the rope. But nope, they had Christian Cage kick out. It's either him. No, it was... Um, it was a Kurt Angle who kicked out first, so only the second person. Nothing against Christian Cage. This was just a bad time to do it. After the show tanked so hard, this was a bad time to do that. Joe locks in the Coquina clutch, but then Christian Cage is able to fly back and do a roll-through, but he uses his feet for leverage while in the clutch. Referee counts the three-count. Christian Cage retains the championship. This was a B matchup. Honestly, I feel like other than a couple of things, this was not a bad match. It was not perfect, but it wasn't the worst matchup on the show. I liked that they actually did a great job of making up for the botched powerbomb spot for... Uh, Samoa Joe and Christian Cage where Cage lost his balance and he just went into that seated position. I don't know if that was planned or not. I didn't. It didn't look like it was. But Samoa Joe really, as a ring general, just capitalized on that. I thought that was very well done. So for the ingenuity that happened there and the the amount of effort that these guys put in, and everybody put effort into this entire show, but there's just some that really just pissed me off. It just was really hard for me to you know, positively acknowledge people. But this was one where, you know, Cage and Joe, they did the best with what they were given. And they put on a really good match. They really did. It's between this and the double bowl rope match where I was like, these are the best matches on the show. Everything else either had something lacking, were definitely missing something, 
or they just absolutely sucked. Final grading for this one is that this is a C show. This was not a good show whatsoever. Other than the two matches I mentioned, everything else definitely felt really... So, that has been my review of Destination X 2007. Oh my gosh, I'm... I honestly feel like I went through a workout with this, and it just feels like it did not get any better. Like, my body feels absolutely drained, and I'm never getting my energy back. It's so bad. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully uh, next show is better, but I know that we have the Electrified Steel Cage match at lockdown, so... God dang it. So... Ending this on a positive note, if you guys like listening to the positive side of wrestling, not just me ranting about some of the dumb things that have happened in wrestling, definitely check out some of the great content that is available on WrestleAttic Radio. By that, go to our social medias, which are on Instagram, Twitter, and honestly, if we can put up a TikTok, that might even be funnier. I, th- I actually think that, I think I might just pitch that at the next meeting, just a TikTok for WrestleAttic Radio. <laughs> I think that would be funny. Um, but it's at attic underscore wrestle. If you want to check out some of our great content, definitely check out our, I think we, I'm pretty sure we have great merchandise. So definitely check out that. All that information is going to be in the description here on this episode, as well as you go to any of our uh, social medias, there will be a link tree that will give you that information. Also, check us out on every single podcasting format that you can imagine, such as iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, just everywhere you can imagine the podcast being uploaded, you will find us there. Show some support to not only me here at Brace for Impact, but also at the Kings of the Rings and Fretzelmania. We love doing these shows and we love to hear positive and you know, we love to hear feedback from you guys. So definitely, especially for me, if you feel like there's something that I could do better, let me know by contacting me on my social media platforms, whether it's Instagram or on Twitter at real effing game. Uh, let me know if there's something that you guys would like for me to also cover, because I know there's only going to be so many impact shows that I can cover and I'd love to cover other shows, but I also like to hear your guys' input. Thank you guys so much for your support. And looking forward to, you know, continuing to go through this, I guess, emotional roller coaster with you guys along for the ride. So thank you guys so much for listening in. I've been Nate the Effing Great. This has been the Brace for Impact podcast. See you guys next time. Also, hashtag never bring Russo back. <laughs>